Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Italian Wine Podcast, as Wine to Wine 2020 media partner, is proud to present a series of sessions chosen to highlight key themes and ideas and recorded during the two-day event held on November 23rd and 24th, 2020. Wine to Wine 2020 represented the first ever fully digital edition of the Business to Business Forum. Visit winetowine.net and make sure to attend future editions of Wine to Wine Business Forum. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for uh, tuning in to this um, important and complex uh, discussion um, titled The Benefits of a More Diverse Wine Industry. I'm joined today uh, by Mags Janjo, a um, sommelier and um, wine importer and wine educator based in the UK. Um, and we're going to be talking through uh, some of the um, some of the issues, I think, and some of the perspectives that might characterize this discussion. Um, Max, welcome. Hello. Morning or oh, afternoon, as the case Morning. might be. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Are you well? Very well, thank you. Yeah, really looking um, forward to this. Excellent. Okay. Well, let's di- dive in. As, as we as we know, it's it's entitled diversity, um, but we 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 take on this conversation at an interesting time, don't we? Obviously, we know the we know the issues of of COVID, and and we know that this is a um, an extremely challenging time for the wine industry. Um, but this is also an opportunity for us to perhaps um, take stock of things and look at the kind of industry we, we've we got and we, we, we may well end up with shortly yeah. and soon. Because um, after all, things things were creaking, weren't they? Things, things are not rosy. The way, I mean, 2020, every, every industry, not just the wine industry, will, will agree that it has been unprecedented, the challenges we have faced. You know, the economies have been stretched to their limits, but you're absolutely right, Paul, in that before this, before 2020, the signs, the, the writings were on the wall. You know, historically, the producing regions of producing countries like France, uh, Spain, and certainly Italy had suffered sales domestically. You know, the per capita consumption was what's going down in these countries. However, we could take solace in the fact that um, export sales looked relatively strong. You know, the U.S. with its 400 million population tend to absorb a lot of the wines that we had. Um, the U.K. also 60 to 70 million pop- population. Again, another strong export market. So although producing countries were struggling domestically, they could always take comfort in the fact that exporting wines were strong. But 2020 is one of those, I say one of those years, it was the first time it's certainly in my la- in the last 10 years of being in the industry where we've seen declining sales figures almost across the board, both import, both on a domestic scale and on the export scale. So it presents us a unique set of challenge. And like you said, it's, it's an opportunity to sit down and take stock of, right, how did we get to this position and how can we 
ensure that we never because with the, with the pandemic came challenges with traveling and the wine industry is one of those, those industries which as you know relies quite heavily on traveling either that might be buyers going to countries of origin to source products or producers going into new markets for trade shows so how many trade shows did we know was were cancelled this year you know in Italy and and Bordeaux uh, London wine fair these are huge events which the industry heavily relies on to stimulate business and we just couldn't do any of that and the companies which survived or dare i say thrived in 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 2020 are those companies which have diverse route to markets so in the past for example the holy grail for wineries would have been selling your wine direct to consumers or selling them to restaurants where you could make a higher margin and you could have you could decide where who bought your wine in essence now those who if you had that kind of business module and your business would say 80% to restaurants you would have felt the full brunt of the pandemic of the lockdowns on the flip side the guys who have got more diverse portfolio selling to restaurants but also selling to retail also selling on the fine wine exchange they would have done slightly better Mm-hmm. So the the argument which I'm or the point I'm trying to make is there is a real sterling value to having a more diverse portfolio to have of, of having different routes to market. Now if that this year has taught us that then we can now apply that to different parts of our business and hopefully that's what we're going to be chatting about it's going to half an hour or so. Yeah, absolutely. So we're really coming at this from the position that it's losing market share it's losing out to the spirits industry to the beer industry um and the general feeling is that perhaps um a younger generation of wine drinkers and um lots of other uh, you know groups and demographics who we wouldn't say are traditionally big wine drinkers um or if they are big drinkers they certainly don't get um spoken to uh in terms of the traditional marketing by the wine industry um we're really saying that the the business is 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 missing out isn't it and and actually that um we've got, we've got to really think about what the old image of the wine industry has been like and ask do we do we want that going forward you know it, i i mean the fig, the figures don't lie do they i mean oh wonderful yeah i think i think thank you i think um going forward what the wine industry has done in the past quite sadly is chase trends is chase the next hot thing you know you go back to 2011 2012 there was the moscato boom in the states and everyone kind of jumped on that bandwagon we were producing grafting you know chopping off chardonnay and chopping off other grape varieties and grafting on mos- moscato grape varieties to deal with that trend and how long did that last it was a year two years tops and then post that came the premium rosé trend and everyone we all flocked to the markets with you know the, the, our biggest richest and heaviest rosés and those last, that lasted another kind of year two years and if you think about us as an industry we are not built to be reactive if you follow the supply chain backwards 
it takes from planting a vineyard to harvesting, it takes four to seven years. So we don't have that reactivity built into our, into our supply chain. And so we therefore can't afford to use temporary solutions for permanent problems. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see trend chasing as. You're trying to you know, latch on to the next big thing. Uh-huh. And so, so we must, Rob, I mean, make no mistake, Paul, I think the wine or our belief. No, go on. Yeah, I, th- I think rather than chasing trends, actually, you know, trying to extract sales uh, in, in, you know, from, from those kind of, um, you know, temporary movements, the wine industry would be a lot better off um, actually analyzing the different demographics um, that are potentially mm-hmm. available as 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 customers, um, which it feels like it traditionally doesn't, um, and perhaps that is the point at which we could ask ourselves what diversity means. You know, it's it, it's a it's a, a loaded term, and it's yeah. a complex it's a complex term. It is, it is. And I think sometimes when the term diversity is thrown about, quite sadly, we feel threatened somewhat or we feel uncomfortable with that conversation. And I think you you, you hit the hammer on the nail by saying we really need to look at our customer data. Um, The wine industry has struggled to do that historically. You know, and this is something the Internet has been around for 30 plus years and companies like Amazon have been doing this for 20 plus years. You know, looking at their customer data, who's buying our wine? What is their age demographic? Where do they come from? What's the average bottle price? Where am I selling my wine to who? And sometimes, and you probably know this better than anyone else, we are inundated with, or we are kind of covered with requests for people, you know, they send us samples, you know, send us price lists, and we're great, prices look great. And the first thing which you do being not being able to travel is to jump on their website, right? To look at who they are and what they do. And some of these websites look like they were designed, you know, in the nineties. And so we've actually, we've struggled to make our websites kind of SEO optimized to make them look slick and smart because that's what the young people are looking for. They want to be able to identify, you know, the wine industry is only just jumping onto social media interaction and so on. So it's a little bit of a shame. Yeah, absolutely. Just two seconds. We've got a, is it perhaps a delivery of samples? Okay, so we will, uh, okay. So let's, welcome back. Let us, let let us chat about perhaps the discrimination that uh, accompanies Diversity. I mean, the, the wine industry has long been talking about increasing diversity, the benefits yeah. of diversity. And yet it seems like, here, you know, here we are still having this conversation because at the end of the day, nothing's changed, really. And so, uh, what you know, why do you think that is? Do you think this is an industry loaded with discrimination? Um, I think for a long time, we were comfortable with the way things were. You know, we were producing wine and we could afford, we could sell them and things were rosy. So when when you aren't kind of pushed against the wall, there is no incentive to change anything. Mm-hmm. But 2020 
he has influenced us as much as we can be to take a long, hard look at ourselves. And the question which I'll ask, or the point which I'll make is, we as an industry can no longer literally ignore let things carry. We are losing market share to beers, to spirits. Take, for example, hard seltzer. Ten years ago, that category did not exist. The first bottle of hard seltzer was made in 2013. Ten years ago, nobody knew what that was. It just didn't exist. However, looking at the data in the U.S. alone, they sold 1.5 billion just in the retail sector. And so if they're drinking hard seltzers, they're not drinking wine. And literally, what is hard seltzer? It's sparkling wine, low alcohol and flavor. It's mm -hmm. easy to make, short turnaround. It's ingredient labeled. So these are what we're up against. It can be produced in a matter of weeks as opposed to the wine industry where the grape grower has to battle through the elements and wait six to nine months. Sometimes if you're making a wine that needs oak, you're looking at the wine sitting in barrel for two, three years. These are the challenges. These are people who are, we are up against. We're up against the spirits category who can, you can have spirits on their own. You can have them as cocktail mixers. They've got so many different USPs and they seem so much more switched on than we are. If you, anyone jumps onto YouTube and you, you Google Bacardi advert or Jameson advert, don't look at it from a, from a point of view of an advert. Look at it from a marketing point of view. The advert has, has, will have young people in it. It will have female representation and it will have other ethnic mi minority representation. And so it is easier for, for someone to see themselves in that product. Compare that to the classic wine advert you'll have a, a shot of the vineyards and possibly the winemakers, you know, swirling the glass and tasting the glass and a few words about the wine. That's been a kind of go-to advert. Now, more often than not, this winemaker is a middle-class or middle-aged white gentleman, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with. But then how does, how does a 17 or an 18, 19, 21-year-old black or ethnic or Asian person identify with that product? That's the challenge. So we really need to look at it from a top-down top approach. We can't afford to let things lie anymore because we are, quite frankly, bleeding market share. Yeah, I, I, agree, with, I agree with you completely. I think that, um, as, as you've pointed out, the, the traditional delivery of, of wine marketing, of wine education, um, of, of wine culture is one that is based around um, privilege. Uh, Agreed. And, you know, of course, wine is an aspirational product once you start to say that that vineyard is better than, than this vineyard and therefore the price is higher. You know, you are into that world of, of pri privilege and, you know, you almost have this vicious circle of, of, elite, of, of elitism, um, but you're absolutely right. Young people are not looking at that and aspiring to be involved with that product category. Um, the, the point which I'll make as well is we, we, we do tend to, I feel like when we say wine is an, a luxury good, my kind of comeback to that is so is spirits. You know, spirits are they're, they're, they're generally more expensive and you've got entry level, mid tier and super premium spirits. So what are they doing that we are not doing? Mm -hmm. So I think it's it, we, we, for a very long time, 
listen, if, if you create this idea of elitism and exclusivity, that only works when demand outstrips supply. Yeah. Okay, that, that, that module would only work if you've got more drinkers than you have wine to sell. But for a long time, the industry has not been in that position. And I don't think the industry will ever be in that position. So we can't afford to, you know, exclude. There are huge untapped markets out there that we've, um, I don't know if it's consciously or subconsciously alienated ourselves from. But then, you know, every time we have meetings, you know, board meetings, we sit down and we talk about sales are suffering and, you know, we, we are losing numbers and we, sales are not quite where they need to be. Yes, that's a problem, but we've got these rich markets that we haven't tapped into. So what we should be challenging ourselves is about saying, how can we make our products appeal to these other markets? And it's important. It isn't, it isn't a conversation about we just create opportunities for the sake of creating opportunities. I think the industry needs to look at the entire supply chain working backwards. And I'll, I'll tell you what I mean by that. If you go back into... You, you start from a, from a vineyard point of view. Many wineries offer internships or many wineries offer opportunity to go work a harvest. And if you look at the demographic of what that harvest looks like, more often than not, it's a white man going to do that harvest. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, if you included someone who, was, who didn't look like that, you have bought yourself or you have got yourself a brand ambassador for life. Because it's such a unique opportunity for someone who looks like me, sounds like me, to work a vintage. What what happens after that vintage is they go back to their country of origin. And all they talk about for the next God knows how long is how amazing that that, that experience was. Mm-hmm. That's free marketing. And do you think that those people are not the opportunities? Or do you feel that they are... I mean, do you feel that they are being not chosen or do you think they're not even interested to apply for these opportunities in the first place? I don't even think they are, they are aware that the opportunities are out there because here's, here's, an opportunity, here's, a, here's a kind of Pandora's box. The wine industry, we've turned to do things traditionally. In fact, we, we love the word traditional so much that we stick it into a category of wine, right? We, we've, we've been so obsessed with this idea of Things are done in a traditional and historic way. Great. I think from a production point of view, that works. And it should stay there because once you start thinking about marketing and selling, you must be modern to evolve. You can't continue to sell the same product the same way to the same people and expect different change and expect different results. So we need to think about how we advertise these positions. For example, in the UK, in the UK, if you've got a wine job, you're going to see them in two places. Either you see them in drinks business or you'll see them on the WSD jobs board. Now, the average person of origin doesn't know that these two websites exist. So you must think of how, how do I reach that new audience? How do I make them aware? So working with, you know, there are several companies or several charities out there or several bodies out there who are targeting kind of BAME or black and other ethnic man. Those are the people which wineries need to be working with and saying, I've got an opportunity for X. I want to make sure that out of the 10 people that I have working my vin- my vintage, I want to include one person of color. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's um, play Oops, for a bit. Um, there's a, 
there's a marketeer called Seth Godin. Many people are probably aware of him. He, he can he kind of summarizes all of his work um, by by essentially saying that people buy from people like uh, myself. You know, like I buy from people I can relate to, uh, and other people buy from people that they can relate to. Right, and so the the kind of crux of his message is that you should identify the 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 customer that you that you are really trying to appeal to and you should talk to them um trying to talk to everybody um you know often is a is a recipe for disaster you end up not really appealing to anybody and so are we saying that it's not just about increasing diversity across sales forces uh, which is obviously important but it's also about increasing diversity at the production end of the trade you know we need more people um creating brands that speak to um to to different audiences if you like completely agree with you paul i think wine from i I go back my, my approach to this you can probably agree pick it up from now is looking at the entire supply chain there are several factors of wine making which have nothing to do with wine like packaging and labeling and branding and the the materials that you use, you could use those as selling tools. You know, if we put the same liquid in the same bottle with the same packaging, we're going to be appealing to the same person. So the, the point which you made is, you know, we can do market tests, you know, create different versions of a label and say, okay, Amongst this demographic, which of these labels appeal the best to you? Amongst this demographic, which of the labels best appeal to you? So absolutely, we need to go back to drawing board. And the point which you made about people buying from people that look like them. Listen, you know, if if I can't see myself in a product, I'm less likely to buy that product, no matter how good it might be. So it's about finding clever and smart ways of being able to appeal to various markets. And like I said, it's it goes beyond, you know, sales force. Go back to the vin- to the to the winery, to the vineyard. You know, what are the, the kind of do you have when you have your vintages, do you have rep- different representation in there, you know, in your marketing team, in your sales team, in your pr- promotions, in your adverts. I mean, I really encourage everyone listening to jump on YouTube and just have a look at the Bacardi advert and have a look at the Jameson advert and you'll get exactly what I mean. Mm-hmm. I think we have um, a few minutes left, so I will just open up the yeah. floor to see if there's any questions. Um, but while we while we see if they um, come in, um, do you want to do you want to tell us about your experience uh, starting out in the in the UK trade? Um, you know, do, ha, have you felt a pressure to? conform um in order to navigate your way um through your career or, or? I think, yeah i mean i mean it, i'll be yeah i think i would be i'd be kind of short-sighted if i said it's been rosy 
and that's one of the, the reasons why I'm very passionate about work and diversity. It's to make it easier because listen, sometimes when you make when you mention the word diversity, people think about creating opportunities for the sake of opportunities, or people think about charity. Diversity is not charity, it's more about empathy. It's about saying for so long the industry has been has looked like this. So how do we make how do we make it easier for someone who doesn't look like this? to integrate into the industry. So everything from opening up doors which might previously not have been there or considering other things which we might not have thought of. And yes, you know, I've had where I was working at working as a specialist, a qualified wine specialist for a retailer, and I'd have people come in and want to talk to my colleagues instead of myself, even though most of my colleagues were working under my guidance. Because, you know, the wine industry or the wine department was not really seen as, it's not something which you link a black person to. And it's just these subconscious biases and these boundaries which we're trying to break down by getting more people involved and getting more opportunities out there. And that's what they are. It's about creating opportunities, not about, you know, giving away stuff for the sake of giving away stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think... Um, one of the one of the things that you mentioned in our previous discussions, which which really um, kind of hit home the 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 gulf, um, if you like, in reality versus what the the wine industry generally seems to communicate, was that if you go into any city, you have a, a walk around any city on the planet, you go into the bars, you go into the restaurants, you have a look who's out drinking um you know wine or not but the scene that you will see does not look like anything portrayed uh, and delivered um in 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 wine communications um and so you know the the industry um may not feel it is a, a pressing need today you know amongst the the crisis that we've we've got but at the end of the day it's losing market share and it is it is um completely uh, separate from reality i think the word is it's out of touch the wine industry is out of touch with reality you know i before the pandemic i did a lot of traveling and like you said you know we visit places like milan like the verona you know we we go to to toulouse we go to france we go to spain italy and you see the the guys and girls who are out there drinking it's a mixed it's a cosmopolitan kind of feel and then looking at that compared to you know london for example you know compared to what the industry looks like the wine industry is miles away from the reality in which we live and so this talk about diversity is about saying, how can I pull the wine industry back into sync? Because if you're out of sync with your market, you're going to struggle to sell to that market. You know, you're only selling to a part of that market. The more you're, the industry looks like the world we live in, the better it will be for us financially, because we will be tapping into vast or previously untapped markets. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenneth Hayden has made a point in the chat, which I think um, we, we we maybe touched on right at the beginning, but haven't emphasised enough. You know, diversity is not about uh, is not solely about race and about minorities. It's about all sorts of things, you know, and and the, probably the complexity of this conversation um, rests on the 
on the the fact that what what is very important to to sub, to one person is maybe not that important to somebody else you know and diversity comes in many shapes many forms and um as you say that that empathy um that we need in order to bring all this together um profitably is is maybe missing isn't it I think it starts from having conversations such as this. You know, it starts from having difficult and uncomfortable conversations. Because, I mean, like we said at the start, the easy way out, right, Paul, is to just not have that conversation. Because it's yeah. it's kind of yeah. bringing you face to face with a reality which, you, which we would much rather not admit to. But until we have those difficult conversations, everything, things will remain the same as they are. And as we've established we literally can't afford to let things remain the same as they are. And I absolutely agree with Kenneth that diversity goes beyond black and white. It's a male and female. It's including, including people with disabilities. And these are all tough conversations to have. And they're all conversations which are going to be financially challenging because if you're going to employ someone who's on a wheelchair, you need to make your entire building wheelchair accessible, right? So there's going to be a cost to it. But we are saying that the more we engage in these conversations, the better the long term we're going to be financially. It's about investing today for a better tomorrow rather than chasing trends and chasing the next hot thing. Because none of us could have predicted the pandemic mm -hmm. and lo and behold, it hit. So we want to be in a significantly better position, more insulated. If anything resembling this, God forbid, were to ever happen again. Okay, let, let's finish maybe on on two points. Um, are there any are there any projects or initiatives that you look at um, to find inspiration, to find uh, ideas, to find advice on um, how they could, you know, potentially do more to to um, create opportunities or just create a more encouraging open environment? So I can kind of give two pieces of advice and there's, there will be UK centered, a little bit out in the States, but UK centered because I live in the UK. We've got Bamian Hospitality, so black and other ethnic minorities in hospitality. There, I work very closely with Lorraine and it's about kind of looking at hospitality from a top-down approach. That's a great body to get in touch with because you will get hold of chefs, sommeliers, bartenders, bar staff, front of house, back office, everything to do with restaurants, and you will get a rich, diverse culture. If you're looking to employ, there you go. That's a rich kind of database we've been working on building. We've also got BAME Wine Professionals, which is more centered on wine. And again, it's on that in the end of everything from production to sales. So we are actively trying to build a community which um, companies can reach out and say, listen, I'm trying, I've got X, Y, and Z, um, opportunity available and I need a few you know non-white faces to apply who do you think who could you recommend so we th those bodies do exist it's about you know winemakers or, or companies reaching out to us and working hand in hand to make the world a better place okay absolutely I agree um, let's uh, let's finally just look at maybe what producers particularly in italy um can do you know they're in a difficult 
position at the moment. You know, they they often work uh, on a very local scale initially, but then try to reach out to the world. What what can they do? I think again, it's about thinking about things differently. You know, look at what the young people are doing today. Because more often than not, there's a huge disparity between what the young people think are cool and what the you know the kind of old boys think are cool. And so if you're trying to sell more wine to, I mean, and the other point I'm making is well, more often than not, the young are more in tune with what's going around going on in the world in terms of diversity. So it's worth talking to the young people in and around the cities, engaging them with them on the level that they engage with. You know, long gone are the days of long, you know, four or five paragraph emails. People are more into things like WhatsApp and Instagram and so on and so forth. So that's that's the level at which producers should start engaging with them or start engaging with us, I should say. So drop down from your, your classic in your, your classic emails and, 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 you know, I'm sending out my, my wine list and engage on a social media level. Mm-hmm. Mag, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you this is obviously a, a massive subject and we could go in all sorts of directions with it hopefully we've we've um kept to some sort of thread it's been it's it's been uh, as you say an important conversation to have hopefully it, it contributes to the to the dialogue in some way um and uh, yeah look forward to uh, to having a drink with you somewhere along the line wonderful meet you paul take care my pleasure great take care Cheers. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin. Cheers.